Welcome to another episode of the Trivelo Coaching Podcast, Trivelo Coaching, where we specialize in cycling and triathlon programs and coaching, mostly for Masters athletes, but we do a wide range of athletes. I'm joined as always by our head coach, Jared Donnelly. Uh, you've won so many Australian titles, I can't rattle them off anymore. Um, and we've got a special guest today to talk about a really good topic, uh, nutrition, um, but specifically nutrition in cycling, and that is Dr. Harry Weisinger. Dr. Harry, Welcome. Thank you. Thank good you for, to be here. Thank you for coming on. This is, a, this is a good topic because it's something that a lot of people struggle with, just in the general population. A lot of people uh, struggle with not just nutrition in general, but their weight. Um, and it is hard because there's a lot of misinformation out there about what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating, what actually works for weight loss. And uh, am I right in saying that most people really struggle to stick to a sustained nutrition plan um, that gets long-term results? Is that what you notice? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna cover um, nutrition in general today, and then specifically nutrition for cyclists. So we'll start off. Um, I want to start a bit more general with you, and you would see a lot of patients uh, just generally for nutrition and weight loss. Can you tell us about um, what you see most often coming in, and then what you try and help people with um, just generally to get them going, get them started with nutrition for weight loss? Sure. Um, well, I think the I think the first thing to say is that <clears throat> we've got a problem here in Australia <laughs> with nutrition. Mm. Um, about half of the population are overweight or obese. Yeah. Of course, no one listening is overweight or obese. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a massive problem and it, it's quite possibly the most important risk factor for the key diseases that kill us. Right, so things like heart disease and stroke, cancer, mm-hmm. uh, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, they're all drastically affected by weight and nutrition. So as a, as a GP, absolutely, um, there's rarely a patient that I don't have some sort of conversation about diet and nutrition and weight, um, but... Certainly, my special interest being weight loss, mm-hmm. uh, that's, I talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you say, um, we have a real problem in sticking to diets, uh, and that's because they're hard. Yeah. And, and all of our physiology is geared around, if you think about the way humans have evolved in times of scarcity we've evolved all these mechanisms to eat when there's an opportunity to eat Mm. right so and we've got amazing systems for storing energy right so fat Mm -hmm. is an amazing energy store Mm -hmm. we get nine calories in every gram Mm. of fat so there's there's almost boundless energy stored on us Uh, and hunger is one of the most powerful drives that anyone will experience. You think about when you're hungry, there's almost nothing else you can think <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. okay? Uh, and things go haywire if you don't pay attention to that. You know, you can't think straight, you can't mm. function, you can't work, mm. whatever. So the, I guess the general approach I t- take now, and I consider this a work in progress. There's no perfect answer to diet. I want to declare that right out front. <laughs> I'm still experimenting mm-hmm. on, on myself, on patients, athletes. 
you name it, getting better. Mm-hmm. But what I've what I've definitely come to figure out um, is a couple of principles. The first one is any nutritional program has to work when you're low on motivation. Mm. Okay, That's a great point. Okay, so if if um, if I had to rely on people being super motivated all the time to maintain a program, mm-hmm. as with a training program, yep. uh, you you're stuffed mm. right? because the minute you have a stressful day, or the minute you have it's it's difficult to find the motivation. Mm. You didn't sleep that well, whatever, whatever. Then you fall off the wagon. Mm. So that's the first thing. And the second point is that my belief is that humans can concentrate on two things at a time. You can focus on your family and work. You can focus on cycling and your family, cycling and work. You know, it's a, you've only got a couple of slots. And so <clears throat> what I try to do when I set a nutritional program is to, is to remove it from one of those slots as quickly as possible. So it starts off as a focus and people are very conscious of what they're doing, but you need to get them to habitualize it, Mm. same as training. Mm. So it becomes a habit. Mm. So they don't have to think. And once they don't have to think about it, it doesn't take psychic energy and Mm. they can succeed. So those are the general principles. Pretty massive principles to start, I Mm. think. That's so true with any program that is, if you, if it's complicated, we won't do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And same in coaching athletes. If the program's unsustainable, Mm. they'll give up Mm. instantly. Yep. Um, And whether that's in their head or whether they've created reasons why uh, they don't want to continue. But if it's too difficult, the human nature is to take the easy option. Mm. It's too Mm. hard. Mm. And any roadblocks you put in the way, they'll use them. Yep. Um, and it's so good that you've said that, you know, motivation shouldn't be the key. Uh, it's a really important thing to begin with because you want to have people who are really keen to improve their diet or their training. Mm. Um, but if that's the only thing that they've got, then it's not sustainable, is it? No, no, certainly not. And I mean, because that's the thing is we all, we all have days that are a bad day. You know, things didn't go our way and they're stressful. Uh, you can have health challenges. You can have challenges at work. Um, and and the minute they start drawing on your energy, mm. if you're relying on high energy to execute your your mm. plan, you're going to fold because mm. we just, we deprioritize that and mm. we prioritize the thing at the immediate moment. But just, just before you... So I'll forget, George. <laughs> when we talk later, that's a, a really good point. I want to I want to bring up with uh, with you, Harry, as to you know, can we do other versions of the ultimate goal, mm. which is and and is that something you you try and uh, get people to to understand that it's just not one way for every person because every person's going to react differently, aren't mm. they? Totally. Well, everyone is different. Our mm. circumstances are all different. So, like yourself, I when I set a program, it's got principles, but variants in how they're executed. Right. Right. So, so certainly, um, yeah, I, and 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 we should talk through 
some of the principles of weight management. Mm. Not, not everyone listening, I suppose, uh, has to or wants to lose weight, but the majority of cyclists should <laughs> uh, think be at least thinking about it. And if it's not immediately obvious, I'm certain it is, because anyone listening cares this much about their cycling already, you know that. Mm. But but you can train, you think about it, you've got a 20-minute um, power of 300 watts, okay? And you could train, you could train to Jared's program st- all greens in training peaks for the whole year and come out the other end and have 310 watts. And that wouldn't be a bad year. Mm -hmm. 315 watts, amazing year, right? It's a 5% Mm -hmm. uplift in power. Mm -hmm. I can get athletes to lose 5% of their body weight in about three weeks, Mm -hmm. four weeks. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do both, you can win national championships, can't you? (laughs) It's a game changer. Right? So this is why everyone has to at least think about it, particularly if you understand how to maintain the the mass that matters and lose the mass that doesn't matter, right? So mm, again, these point. are all these are all mm. part of the mm. part of the program. So, well, just on that note about people being um, different and everyone has different bodies and different reactions, mm. we're also very similar because we're yep. all humans. So, how much of our similarities? Um, can help compared to the different reactions we will have yep um yeah i mean what 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 i can say um with respect to similarity is um that unless we unless we deliberately um unless we deliberately do something to change this most of us are carbohydrate addicted Okay, and and the the general way I explain this to patients is, you think about it. You've got how many kilograms of fat on your body? Right. Kilograms of fat, as I said, you've got nine calories in every gram, and you've got kilograms. Mm-hmm. So there's no shortage of energy stored in our in and around our bodies, but. If the general person or even the even the well-trained cyclist goes until 3 p.m. without eating or tries to do a race, 60-kilometre race, without eating carbohydrate, what, what use is the fat on and around your body? Not, not much. Not much use at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, we, there we're basically starving unable to perform metabolic function mm. despite an abundance of energy. So this is, this is a similarity among humans that has to be explored in any plan that, that aims to, um, I think, improve cycling performance, but certainly to lose weight. So the key, the key that we more or less try to exploit um, in things like a very low carbohydrate diet or a ketogenic diet or, or some variant of that is we try and develop the ability to use those fat stores. Mm. So regardless of whether you've got a gel on you or not, you can still perform. Um, this is a challenge for the, for, the t- for the typical human out there. I mean, and we forget as cyclists what we're doing to our bodies. It's total. just anyone listening out there, 
I can tell you categorically as a doctor, it's not normal. It is absolutely not normal. What, what, what ride do you do on the weekend? 180 k's, 200 k's? It's not normal what we do. Isn't it? It's not normal. was doing that. And, and, and yeah, shout out to Joe Spano. He thinks it's normal. Uh, it's not. It's not. The, the number of times the red blood cells go through the circulation in a cyclist, right? You're chewing through red blood cells faster than anyone else around. <laughs> Yeah, you know, typical person, blood cells last for 90 days, not, not in cyclists. Can that be a bad thing? I don't think so. Well, well I mean, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't fresh think blood so. cells are always better than all fresh blood cells. Are, <laughs> fresh blood cells are good. <laughs> yeah. We won't go into that today. There's <laughs> <laughs> a different, uh, it's a different po- not, not performance. Yeah, it's a different, different podcast for that. <laughs> um, yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> Similarities. Similarities. Um, yeah. So, so, so really, um, just taking that one step further, and I don't want to upset Jordan's agenda, but uh, but certainly, certainly, um, understanding, and this is what most cyclists and and general uh, athletes, um, whether they're triathletes or runners, want to understand how to metabolize mm. a quicker version of um, of the storage that we have. So yeah. that, you know. We don't all of a sudden be like the uh, mm. the, the ever ready battery ad where, mm. where one battery is just going flat out and the others are all slowly dying and that's yep. what you feel like you you've, you had that feeling on Saturday. I did, um, I did, I did. And I had a similar feeling, except you know, fifteen minutes later, sort of thing, um, yep. where it was clear to me that I was not um, mm. able to convert the energy that I had stored in my body yep. uh, into useful um, activation f- to ride the bike. Yeah. So I think, I think again, all of us listening as cyclists are already in a bracket of performance that is exceptional. So if you've been cycling for six months, you're already able to do things metabolically that the average person can't do. That's the first thing. But we're not, we're not happy with that. We want to go to the next step, obviously. I, in my experience, there is just no easy way to cross that bridge. I think you've got to suffer the pain of getting there. This is again nothing new to cyclists. You've got to, you, you've got to get across the bridge to be able to metabolize fat, and the bridge that you're crossing is something like starvation. Because it's only when the body is starving, and and I say that from a scientific definition of starving, okay, um, which occurs within six hours, eight hours of not eating, your your body clicks into starvation. But to truly adapt, you need prolonged periods of carbohydrate restriction or complete fasting, right? So the um, so there's no, no simple or no easy way to get there. Hunger's a feature. And in amongst that, um, as Jared said, failed completely on the weekend. And that's because I'm currently putting myself through a version of starvation in the hope and anticipation that in a few weeks' time, I'll be able to ride without slamming a gel at any point. So in effect, we're trying to teach our body that there is another method that other than the one it's currently using mm-hmm. um, to convert all the amazing amount of storage that we have yep. into useful energy. Totally. Yep. So you're saying that 
on any given day, if we didn't eat until 3, 4, 5 p.m. Mm. and we're starving and we're not functioning because we're not using that fat stored, mm. that is a lifestyle thing that has happened to us in society because we should be able to be using that naturally. Absolutely. We evolved to eat every few days. So it's what is what is totally abnormal is the standard Western diet. It's totally abnormal. You think about it, we get up, and I think about my own poor kids, right, who unfortunately I've brought into the world teaching this is okay, knowing full well this is a path to disaster, is you get up and what do you eat? You eat a plate full of carbohydrate. You either have toast with jam or you have, you know, Nutri-Grain, cereal cereal with milk, carbohydrate, carbohydrate, carbohydrate. And then, you know, morning tea time. You don't even let the person go four hours without Mm -hmm. eating and and start learning how to burn their own fat. You put more calories in them. At lunchtime, it's a salad sandwich, it's a donut, it's a brownie, it's whatever. Afternoon tea, then dinner. And dinner's never just steak and vegetables. It's steak, vegetables and bread, Mm. rice, pasta, noodles, carbohydrate, etc. And then we don't allow ourselves to fast from dinner do we? We've got to have a you know, late just night. Just before bed. Just before bed, just mm. quickly a little top-up carbohydrate. So um, that's that's the opportunity, uh, but it's also the it's also it's very difficult because society um, is is of course geared to breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and again, no surprise, no surprise to anyone that's ever tried to operate a in a very low carbohydrate diet is go into any cafe and I challenge you to find something that isn't laden with starchy carbohydrate. It's just impossible. Mm. So you gotta, you've got to... This, this is what creates a lot of the difficulty um, in, in executing a nutritional plan is access mm. to healthy, healthy choices yeah, simply because the unhealthy choices are so easy... If I go into my pantry and open that up, mm. I've got a million health, unhealthy choices mm. and about two healthy choices. Some people might say, well, I mean, Doctor, you're being a bit extreme in that um, there are extreme lengths to go to to try and re- reverse that process. Mm. But I guess it comes back to your very original point is that it is a major health problem in the country. Correct. You that's probably say that's extreme. You've said it. You've said it. So... I heard it, or I read it um, just last week, actually, that that there's three levers you can pull as far as nutrition and manipulation of diet goes. One one lever you can pull is to change what what you eat. Okay. the The next lever you can pull is um, how much you eat. Mm-hmm. And the next lever you can pull is when you eat, mm. okay? Mm. So in this last lever, consider things like intermittent fasting, mm. complete fasting, etc. One of them's portion size and the other one's something like a ketogenic diet, low-carbohydrate diet, mm. something like that. I pull all three in, and in no particular order. Um, and But suffice to say that if you are pulling no levers... That is. That means you're eating what you want, when you want, however much you want. Yeah. You will get sick. 
Like it's it's absolute. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed, Gu- guaranteed you will be overweight and you will be inflamed and you'll be sick. Your risk factor is ginormous, isn't yep. it? Yep. Yep. And one of the things you did say was uh, the difficulties we have. For example, if your uh, work situation is and you can't take the kitchen that you have at mm. home full of the stuff that you want to eat to work, that is a that is just a plain fact that it's difficult yeah so what well, you know we at the moment our office has a kitchen mm. so we can execute mm. what we want to eat when we want to eat it so we're in a huge advantage so people who are on building sites or mm. in hospital care or yep. oh, i can just think of an amazing amount of people who don't have the ability to cook what they want yep. for every meal, mm. their execution is going to be limited. Mm. So, the, so, the, so the answer to that is the quicker you can get to a point where you don't have to eat, the better off you are. Because then if there's a poor choice or no choice, no you, choice. Can go, you can abstain, crazy as that sounds. Mm. And the secondly is that, is that like, as in, your, as in your motto, preparation is everything Mm. okay Mm. so planning and preparation everything because if you don't plan and prepare you can't perform you can't execute Mm. and so to this point i have at my office and scattered around the various places i work things like keto bars um exogenous ketones olive oil buckets of olive oil every you you can tell where i've worked because there's i've got these little olive oil containers (laughs) everywhere Mm. And yeah, it, you know, even us blokes got to learn how to make a salad. Yep. yep. <laughs> got to learn how to make a salad. Yeah, and that's a, <laughs> such an important point. And, and I have had discussions already and, you know, we'll get to this, but you've helped me enormously um, with my uh, eating habits. And I hate saying the word diet. Yeah. So I never want to say that I'm on a diet because yep. I want to be on a, an eating habit that I can sustain forever. So therefore, it doesn't become a diet. Yep. And so you've given me such good advice. And I'm trying to convey that to some of the athletes who the preparation, Mm. exactly what you said, is the key to... You can have roadblocks in front of you like, we don't have a kitchen, we don't have this, we don't have that, I can't carry it, Uh, I ride to work, how can I carry... There are so many things that they can put up in front of me that are excuses. Yep. But if you prepare yourself and plan then you can actually get around all of these things. If you're planning in advance, then they're just not, they're just not excuses anymore. No. It's a choice you take mm. to, to either um, embrace, mm-hmm. embrace your food change yep. uh, or, or just use excuses and stay the same. Yeah, look, I, I, again, I, I think I believe in keeping it simple. I know that keeping it simple is the answer. Um, I give... I give athletes and patients um, some ideas to start with, principles to work with, uh, and and a simple plan. So breakfast can be eggs and coffee with butter in it, or eggs in a smoothie, or you know a high fat smoothie and coffee with butter in it. It's, mm. You don't have to even have to after you've been doing that for a week. You don't even have to think mm. anymore. Mm. Lunch again, I just give simple choices. You can have a salad with avocado and macadamias and douse it with olive oil. That'll do. Mm-hmm. And it'll keep you it'll keep mm-hmm. you full. You and, don't need and, bread, you don't need nope. any carbs, you don't nope. need nope. 
And that take, takes me, I don't know, it takes me five, ten minutes to make a salad. That, that'll take me ten minutes to eat. So it's, mm. it's plenty of time eating. Mm. It doesn't feel like, because some of the... Hours so, of preparation. Yeah, mm. some, some of the things you can do, hours of preparation and, and way too quick eating, because a, a lot of what we um, associate with, with nutrition and eating is, is ritualized. You know, you mm. expect to sit down to eat for 30 minutes, mm. whereas it doesn't really take 30 minutes necessarily to mm. eat. Mm. So. There, there's some really good examples of choices and um, you know some of the things that you told me were exactly like that mm-hmm. simplify it yep. and just select things that basically are low in carbs yep. and and I made a huge change in my diet and Jordan really helped me mm. you know cooking's not my thing but now you know I don't have the cereal like I did before mm-hmm. uh, and that in itself is a massive game changer for my yep metabolism that yep. has changed everything for me mm. that might not you can tell me that might not be the case for most people but there was a massive change by just taking the totally the wheat flour grain out yep. of my diet yep. and putting in the eggs avocado yep. um, mm. mushrooms yeah so you've done you've done two things there you've you've reduced inflammation which is a problem so what that do you mean would, by reduce information? So, uh, so I guess at the extreme, at the extreme end of of carbohydrate intolerance, you've got things like celiac disease, Which and I, my guts was out here. Yep, and and I and I believe everyone has some. I think it's a spectrum. In in my experience, mm-hmm. there are people that actually get you know hospital worthy sick when they eat carbohydrate when they eat flour and bread and stuff. But I don't think any of us get off scot-free. And I know in myself that if I... Because, yeah, try and do a Trivello right on a Saturday, it, you, particularly before being adapted, you've got to have some carbohydrate just for the just for the peaks of effort. And when I get home, I feel, I feel awful. My guts are just mm. a mess. Compared with if I'm not eating, you know, gels and bars and bread mm. and what have you. Mm. So, and the other thing that, that a lot of cyclists don't appreciate is that, um, you know, in the in the fed state, right, we've got plenty of carbohydrate stored in the muscles and obviously all this fat stored around us and in us. And... Having a bowl of cereal before a ride is a wasted opportunity to lose weight. Mm. It's, it's it's calories for nothing. It's absolutely calories for nothing. So unless it's a race and you need you want to be humming like at the at the start line, and you're not trying to teach your body how to right <clears throat> how to function then exactly. You're actually trying to compete. Yeah, the difference is in training. You're trying. Yep. To- teach your body to metabolize exactly in a race you actually don't want any of that to happen. no that's right no so so race i wouldn't i certainly wouldn't yeah. be advocating this yeah. stuff yeah iron man absolutely you need yeah. to be so iron iron man athletes are by definition metabolizing fat almost exclusively mm. they're operating at threshold mm. or just under so they should be and and they're well trained so they're metabolizing fat you could not get enough carb do the numbers mm. you couldn't you couldn't eat enough gels 
mm. to keep up with the car- to yes. carbohydrate demand yeah. if that was the source of energy. Yeah. You couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah. So clearly these guys are operating at a, right. at a different thing. But if you're doing a time trial and the time trial's 30, 40 minutes, you've got, you, you cannot be switching you can't be compromising so then you're going from you're going from carbohydrates almost certainly because you're at threshold above threshold is this a new school of thought because i remember first learning about nutrition in sport and the kind of doctrine we learned was um you need carbohydrates for energy and once you run out you're in trouble if you're starting to use fats for energy you're in trouble and that's Mm -hmm. what you were told that in Mm -hmm. endurance events you you might switch to fats but yeah um not as effective or I don't know if effective is the right word, but that's kind of the, the general consensus that you were taught. In this. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not that new, but it's, I don't think it's mainstream, to mm. be honest. If you, if you interviewed, if you interviewed 100 lecturers, I'm sure 90% would say exactly what you just said carbohydrate is what the is the fuel you use at the top end and use fat at low end and and I, I think it's something like that but not quite right I think I think with fat you've got that metabolic flexibility right up to threshold um, to perform so I and do we need carbohydrate well yeah probably so maybe think of it as like a prius right so if you so prius is dual fuel analogous to us as dual fuel mm-hmm. we've got carbs and fat mm-hmm. cars are you know the prius has got it's got petrol and it's got electricity mm-hmm. and the electricity's awesome up to 25 k's an hour and then the minute you put your foot down harder it switches to petrol mm. okay and like the rocket fuel yep it? and if you run out of petrol in a prius it doesn't matter how much is stored in the battery, the car stops. Mm. And I think it's something like that, but the body's got very, very strong um, mechanisms to hang on to glycogen. So you, you, you'd be hard-pressed to um, run out of all your carbohydrate stores. I've got methods to do it, though, which, are, which I teach to athletes as carbohydrate loading in a... In a non-traditional sense because yeah. traditional sense is big bowl of pasta the night before that's not actually carbohydrate loading but mm. yeah i think it's it's not quite yeah, that yeah. way but but certainly at the top end i think the body still prefers carbohydrate and so if you were doing an event that's maybe only half an hour to an hour a crit circuit or something then but a crit itself a crit itself is most often Sub threshold so with F effort. with efforts that are super threshold. That's a that's a crit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would um, no. I've raced crits. I've raced crits keto and one, <laughs> and and yeah. But equally, maybe raced a harder one and gone off the back. Mm. So I have I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go. This is like my brain's really mm. firing right now, and I do want to try and ask the ones that I know anyone listening will find really helpful. Um, and even if there's some obvious ones, uh, just to yep. make sure we're really clear, because uh, one point you made was that we do have enough fat um, on us that we can store with energy. Mm. Now, does this mean no matter how heavy you are or light you are, a leaner person still has enough fat? 
it's not that um, someone that would be considered overweight has more fat to use as energy or um, yep. if you're extremely lean, low, fo- low body fat percentage, like pro cyclists, mm. um, they're you know, 6 to 8% body fat. They mm. still have enough fat in them to use. Totally. To use, well, know. think about it. I mean, the, maybe the leanest athlete you've ever met would be 6% mm-hmm. body fat and they might weigh 60 Low sixties. Mm. Low sixties. Yeah, there's three or four kilos of three or four kilos of fat mm. right there. Yeah. Bang. So yes, mm. um, yeah, even them. Yeah, even them. Yep. Take it back to um, almost back to the start. I don't. I don't mind if you talk about cyclists here or the general public, mm. where you've you've set the frame that. Um, it's really tough so we need to find something that's sustainable yep. um, and find something that is simple enough that when there's low motivation you can do it yes um, I watched what you did with dad and that was really beneficial mm. um, and like dad said we kind of sat down with you and had a list of all the foods that you could eat um, yep. and I've watched dad try a bunch of different um, eating plans and mm-hmm. um, while some were successful short term it was very obvious very early that they weren't successful long term mm. This one for you, Dad, really helped. Um, mm. But I would have been, I would have been someone previously before this conversation that was would have said, "No, nah, that's what you're saying is too extreme." Mm. Um, it, logically, you'd say, "Well, I just feel like you don't need to go down that path of mm-hmm. starving yourself um, mm. and you know going into this side of things." But when you're saying it from a medical perspective, it really does make sense. Um, so knowing all this. What's the first step in starting um, when you're talking to someone, giving them advice? What, what, what point do you start with? Uh, setting a date mm-hmm. is the very first point to start. Mm-hmm. So people often need a period of contemplation <clears throat> and a period to rev them, sort of get get the motivation going. So it's actually quite effective if I say... We're going to start, so I see them on Tuesday and I go, we're going to start Monday next week. Then it gives them a bit of think time, a bit of think time and a bit of preparation time, mental preparation, physical preparation, and, and it's motivational. So that's the, that's the first thing um, in preparing for what's not necessarily comfortable at the start. Do you find those people are going extreme up until that point? I'll just eat whatever I damn well like now when... Or uh, no, not necessarily. Yep. They're, they're probably even starting before yes, okay. uh, the start yep. time. Yep. Yeah, they're going hard on an easy day. Yep. So, uh, and, and that's, a, that's actually a technique I use um, for things like quitting smoking as well. So if I'm advising a patient to quit smoking, it'll be, right, let's, set a, let's put a date in the calendar. Yep. They find that a relief. Oh, okay, I don't have to quit today mm. or tomorrow. Mm. And I can get my head around it, mm-hmm. and so that's and and also remember that in line with the, it, you've got to make it simple. It's it's really important to have the people that are around that person on board, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. often they need to do a bit of <laughs> politicking in the house mm-hmm. to go. Oh look, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of. You know, I've been talking to the doctor. I'm thinking of changing what I eat. That's just uh, so true, right? Mary. Uh, look, I, I call my wife the devil because <laughs> because there's that much carbohydrate option. Yeah. Oh, I've just got some afternoon tea cake from That's school. It. That's it. And she brings it in. I say, don't bring it into the yeah, house, yeah. please. That's it. That's and, it. And you're right. Yeah. So, right. yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, so you've got to socialise that at home. Mm. And it's and it's so much better if, if the people you're around and with 
are on board, they don't have to be on it themselves or they could be a variant of it. But, you know, my wife and I, I, I actually don't even bother changing if my wife's not up for it. So it's just pointless because she wants to eat nachos and and Two I'm trying to be keto mm. and quite frankly, I'm going to eat nachos if they're there. So <laughs> hey-ho. Yeah. But, but so that's, that's um, the starting point is that. I think um, the second thing is um, a plan. This is it's just like it's just like mm. cycling training. Seriously, it's the same thing. Mm. So you got to have a plan. So you got to have it's. I've I've got to write down for them what I want you to do, uh, and stick to that at the at least at the start. Try and stick to it to the letter if you can. We'll see how much of this you can hack. How much you can habitualize, and I'll, and I'll go into what's in the plan in a minute. Yep. And then the third thing, just like cycling coaching, you got to measure it. You got to measure it. Mm. You got to measure where you are today. You got to measure where you are next week. You got to measure what you're doing in between. So, I, depending on how you know driven by numbers the person is. So I'm I'm very driven by numbers, as I know. Well, I'm sure both of you are. I know I know Jerry is, but. I track I, I track personally and I ask, depending on the person, them to track what they're eating, the calories, the macronutrient content, um, daily weights uh, or weekly weights, depending on how neurotic they are. Um, I, some want to track ketones in the blood. Some will, don't want to track the blood, so I'll get them to track ketones in the breath. Uh, and I'll, yeah, so I'll follow them, but through measurement, uh, and the, <clears throat> that's the, that's the fundamentals really is, is planning mm -hmm. and then, so preparing, having a plan and measuring along the way with regular, with regular check-ins with, with me. Cause I think it's like having a coach. People just do better when they have a coach. Mm. It's just it's just someone. There's many reasons that coaching works. One of them is you don't want to disappoint the coach. Uh, one of them is the coach is there for support and guidance and to say, yeah, it's okay. I've had this before. You'll get through it in two weeks and then you'll be fine. So anyone coached by Jerry will appreciate that already. So what's in the plan? Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Uh, snacks, what you can eat, absolutely. What you can't eat, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's what's in the plan. Um, in basic terms, breakfast is if they'll if if they're happy to eat it, eggs, mm -hmm. omelette, eggs and bacon, poached eggs, scrambled eggs. You know, eggs anyway, yeah. without bread. Yeah. Okay, and as I said, coffee. But with fat in it, you need... F so the, the key to adapting... So I probably should have started mm. with this, actually, just so, just yep. again, so that the listeners understand. The reason the ketogenic diet works is because you don't get hungry, mm. okay? That's why it works. Because as I said at the start, hunger will beat any opponent. Mm. Any opponent. Mm. It, will, it will slaughter. Mm. So... The reason the ketogenic diet works is it suppresses appetite through high fat. 
And then eventually what happens is your own production of ketones from the liver kicks in and then appetite diminishes drastically and you almost have to tell yourself, I better eat, otherwise I won't be able to do my, my afternoon session. So that, that, That's such a good point you've made and understanding how the liver mm. does take over mm. and, and you've tried to teach your body to get the liver to do that role better and yep. that's what we've suppressed as carbohydrate eaters. Totally. And that was the mo- most thing that happened to me yep. was changing that breakfast. Mm. I think that was the key to me. Um, and and I wasn't eating breakfast at 7 o'clock, 6.30. Mm. I was having it after my training session. Yeah. Um, it could have been 10, 11, 12. So the timing is the other thing. That totally. We, we, we'll to talk, we should talk about timing. We will. I've, I've, um, got, a, I've yeah. got a lot to say on, yeah. on timing. But, but me having that, I was thinking, oh, I just need so much food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the thing I was saying to Jordan. Oh, this isn't going to be good. Eggs are not going to do it for me. I need more. And then when I started having the omelets, I could know I could go without food till three o'clock. Yep. I would have an omelet at ten or eleven. I was that full. Yes. The hunger suppression <laughs> yeah, had right. totally kicked in. Yep. And I and it was like four o'clock. Oh, mm-hmm. all I've had is an omelet. Yes. And I had no. I've got hunger pangs the whole time mm-hmm. when I'm on the carbohydrate. Yep. rich environment uh, yes. uh, process, but that was a big change for me. And mm-hmm. if anybody listening, if you, if you can only get one thing out of this, is to the breakfast. Uh, yeah, so high important. fat. Yeah, so, so in terms of what's in breakfast, as I said, eggs are good. Eggs with cheese is better. So omelette is really good because cheese has got more fat in it. To clarify, yep. fat and protein are the most filling compared to carbohydrates so the problem so the problem with yes you're correct okay what what we're trying to do is not spike insulin so the the pecking order is glucose spikes insulin very effectively protein a bit less so fat even less so um but the other problem with protein is that the liver can quite easily convert protein into glucose in a process called gluconeogenesis, which we do anyway, and you have to or you die mm-hmm. within four minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, too much protein will kick you out of fat burning mm-hmm. anyway. Okay. So the diet is a... Very low carbohydrate, moderate protein, high fat diet. That's what I would advocate. Or a variant of that. I'm not religious about this. Um, but keeping in mind those things that it's fat that will suppress your appetite most. That That's what gives you that feeling of fullness and satiety. You, as I may have explained to you, mm. Jerry... You know how many how many times have you ever binged on, you know, cheese or peanuts or you know it's it's just it doesn't happen like a bag of corn chips. You can eat a you can eat a whole family pizza. I know every cyclist out there can eat a family pizza and then go, what's for dinner? (laughs) Right, that's entree. Now what? Whereas you just can't Can't do that with cheese. You can't do it with cheese. Mm. You can't do it with high fat stuff. At least if you're mindful, get enough feeling. That's enough for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've had enough of that. So, so I. 
that's why I say eggs with something, you know, cooked in butter and with cheese is, is good. Mm-hmm. So omelettes are great. And then coffee. I say coffee because I drink lots of coffee mm-hmm. and I like coffee and I assume most people like coffee. But it's, it's yeah, it's it's ergogenic. You know, it makes us feel better, gives you a bit of a zing. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's socially acceptable to have coffee unlike other drugs. You're talking uh, about probably very too few people that don't drink coffee. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but um, most people do. You're right. Most people do, and then and then I put I put butter in mine or a fat bomb. Is that nice? Absolutely. Yeah. Or cream. Or most coffee drinkers would like that. Cream and uh, it's an acquired taste, but mm. you can tweak it to uh, like I I've even made you know I get pretty creative. Um, <laughs> experimenting uh, so I'll, I'll have filtered coffee with um, sugar-free maple syrup and a bit of coconut oil and a little bit of cream or something like that so again it, the, the goal is to get enough calories in allow your body to be able to make ketones and suppress appetite and then that's breakfast that that I often have a liquid breakfast, a smoothie, yep. high-fat smoothie. Um, and yeah, that, that would have spinach. Yeah, you could put spinach. Um, you, you run through the avoc- things. Oh, well, I put. I would put uh, in my smoothie of currently of the day. Um, you know, if we listen to this podcast in a year's time, it'd be completely different. But it'll be <laughs> it'll be um, put in some ice, some berries, um, avocado, egg. Um, cut low carb, really low carb protein powder, something green, spinach, something like that. Um, put in. Uh, what else do I put in? As is the case cream. with omelette or smoothie, because yep. the omelette can include veggies, yep. mushrooms, capsicum, yep. red pepper, that kind of thing. Um, the smoothie's got spinach, yep. berries. Um, those kind of carbs are okay. Seem to be. Yeah. So they don't knock me out, and they don't knock most people out. Um, they're really not high calorie carbs, don't they? Not really, no. No, I think berries are fine, and I don't distinguish between berries, so I, I don't go strawberries are out, but blueberries are in. Mm-hmm. I think, berry. yeah, but there I is think a lot of sugar in them. There is a lot of sugar, but but well, there doesn't seem to be that much. Um, the guide I use for patients is if you ever see it on the supermarket shelf as a juice, that fruit's out. Okay, so you don't see blueberry juice. Really, mm. you don't see strawberry juice. Is that because orange juice is too high sugar? Orange juice is a, is one of the most lethal substances known to man. Oranges themselves? Nope. Orange yeah. juice. Yeah. It's just ab- it's just an abnormal load of fructose. So fru- so fructose will cause the liver stimulate the liver to make triglycerides, which are a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And too much fructose is bad. What if they say, and this is probably what a lot of people fall into, um, oranges only, no, no, add, no, anything else? Because mm-hmm. I know there's a difference between no added preservatives, but there's already preservatives in there. Or, mm. um, but there are brands that I know the nudie brand claims that it's, it's as close to just oranges as you can get for orange juice. It's a, the sugar load. But the nudie is as unhealthy as any other juice, just purely on a sugar grams of sugar into your body in one hit. I mean, it, it is teaspoons and teaspoons mm. of sugar in one go. Mm. It's 
really important to know that because it really just gets you the labels and the you don't know marketing. people don't know it's well well marketed this stuff but mm-hmm. basically you got to look at the labels and um yeah if it's got more than four grams of carbohydrate in a serve of anything it's got to be out because if, if you're doing this diet right yeah, yeah, yeah. so if, the, you, if you weren't doing this diet if you're at a healthy weight would you still say no, it's I, too lethal? Okay, if it's a if you're at a healthy weight, we should talk about this because I still believe in pulling one of those levers, even at a healthy weight, mm-hmm. for longevity, for health mm. purposes. I mean, so, some of what we do is for cycling performance, and some of it is so that we live to a hundred years old, so that we can enjoy, you know, win national championships into our nineties, yeah. mm. right? Mm. So. So that's that's you'd, prob- you'd probably only win those because there's no one else. Yeah, well that's okay. Well that's and that's fine. It's, you can only beat who you line up against. But uh, yeah, so that's breakfast, lunch. Um, so just before we go to lunch, can mm. we just talk about the timing of breakfast? Because I think that's really yep. um, something that you uh, really made clear to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the yep. time between the previous evening meal and yep. when you have breakfast, and also the activity that you are. Uh, potentially going to do whether this is a mm. tuesday mm. monday or a saturday and there are three different days in our book yep as you know a saturday is like an endurance yep um you know four to six hour ride yep. a, a monday is the easiest day of the week where mm. we ride granny gears and, yep. and tuesday we do high intensity over threshold so they're three distinctly different yes. days so can you just explain that to sure so I think it, this is really calling on the time, you know, the timing lever. I think, as I said before, certainly for a Monday, for a, for an easy session, there's no there's no reason to eat before the session. If you're a morning, if if you train the mornings, there's no there's no reason to eat from a um, nutritional point of view prior to the session. So I would encourage not eating until after on a on a dead easy session um, on a on a hard day or a long day I would advocate something small ahead if you're not quite up to Jerry and Joe and Troy if you're not quite up to them which is me so I would have something I'd have I'd have a mini smoothie before I go but otherwise eating on the ride is sufficient and that's there's no problem i've often said to i've often said to athletes you could eat a big mac i don't encourage it but you could eat a big mac on a 4 hour ride and you won't gain you could eat big macs all the whole ride through it will not be stored it'll stay in circulation till it's burnt so that it's kind of a free swing mm. eating while you're riding. Mm. It's a free swing. Mm. You can eat anything. You should you shouldn't eat anything, but because there's some fuels that are better than others, yeah. and some that will sit in your gut for More longer than, yeah. than others. And then I guess the the other variant is um, is a tempo session mm. or or even. <clears throat> So tempo, tempo. I think you can similarly. You don't need much mm. beforehand. You mm. should be able to because by definition it's sub threshold. You're not going to be dipping into glycogen mm. um, anyway. Mm. So I would think. So that's your uh, rating, isn't it? Pretty much the intensity. Pretty much of the effort. Pretty much. Yep. yep, absolutely. And then I think it's of course we both look after athletes that train in the afternoons or after work, and that's a different. 
story altogether. It's mm, a but, good point. Yeah, but they they have to essentially they have to essentially consider the same things in terms of the amount of energy they need to perform the session um, based on the intensity of the session. So for a high intensity session where you're doing five five minute efforts way over threshold. Yeah, I would be. They're going to need some glycogen. This is actually an important point. The the adaptations come from the stress of being right on the line, of being able to do it and not being able to do it. Mm. Right. So what 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 Jerry would call the lower end of the range. You should be able to just execute the lower end of the range when you're adapting to something like this. It's going to hurt. Um, I can attest to that. It hurts at the lower end. But if you don't put yourself out there and get close to failure, you won't get the same adaptation. So in a five by five um, minute session above at threshold, above threshold, I would suggest a little bit of carbohydrate in a bottle about 45 minutes before, but no more. Hmm. Okay, so not much more at, at this at, at this point where you're trying to develop flexibility. Just at, before you go on, yep. if you were further advanced down the track and you have gained some mm -hmm. really good um, linkage with your liver and yep. um, is it okay yep. to push yourself with none of that? I, I believe so. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm certain that Steve McMillan doesn't. Mm. I'm certain he doesn't mm. need to have any carbs before a yep. before a uh, interval session like that because yep. those that have been doing those that have been doing sort of Ironman triathlon you know mm. long 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 endurance already have the machinery the metabolic yeah, machinery it's just turning it on, yeah, it? It's, yeah it is about just rekindling it so and and this is a point that i really wanted to make is that it's just as important what you do after a session mm. so historically um and certainly continually in some situations special cases but not not in our case you can you can get great adaptation from not having carbohydrate after such a session. Which is right? just so controversial. Which is it's, it is mm. just the opposite of everything that we were ever taught. But the real adaptation, you do one of those five-by-five five sessions and then, then just go and have steak and veggies for dinner or have your omelette, mm. have a smoothie. High-fat, moderate protein again. High-fat, moderate protein, okay? Whereas if you're a Grand Tour rider... They've got to get mm. carbs back into you. They're exceptions, aren't they? They're, they're, they're exceptions, and we can't we can't work to that model. Yeah. I mean, those guys struggle to get enough calories full stop, Each day, yeah. and and they lose weight mm. over the tour, mm. lose kilograms. Mm. They just can't can't keep up. So, in fact, I I remember um, some discussions with the um, uh, head of uh, the the medical director for Orica, and it was about portion size after a stage and it was all about small so you had to have a little bit of carbohydrate 
because at the start, of course, teams didn't know this, so they'd you know, big pasta, big bowl of pasta, and the athletes would just be blown mm. out mm. by that. But instead, you'd have this, you know, piece of toast, mm. ball of rice, a couple of crackers. Mm. Again, the opposite of what the athlete wants. The athlete wants to go Give gorge, yeah. sleep, mm. right? But mm. you got to go a little bit, a mm. little bit. Otherwise, the gut just mm. can't hack it. Mm. The body can't hack it. Mm. Yeah. So, so that's breakfast. I want to keep moving through, but fuck that. I still have so many questions. Well, go ahead. We'll... Yeah, we're, we're going at a good rate, I think. I think this is so valuable for everyone to hear. Um, when you're talking about adaptation, mm. there's almost two goals of adaptation because the goal of the session is to just increase your you know, your threshold capacity yep. as a bike rider mm. as well as the adaptation of what you're talking about to uh, be more efficient in your body's Yep, ability. handling of energy. Yeah, handling of energy. Yep. So that's right. Where's the balance between both of those? Um, it's a little bit what you said about you know not not push, pushing too far and being able to ride at the lower end of the range. Yep. But, um, I guess what I'd be right in saying it's totally context dependent on the person and what their goals are. Because if you want to increase your FTP, mm. you're going to be better if you can ride the session properly. That's true, but the I mean I would counter to that that you never there's no race you've ever done that's like an FTP test where you get 20 minutes to warm up, you go full gas for 20 minutes and then it's over. Closest thing to that, time trial, 20-minute mm. time trial. But the the context of racing is always both those things. It's always about power and energy. So you can have an FTP of 450 watts and if you're inadequately fueled or you're not metabolically adapted, you'll, you'll get thrashed. Mm. You get dropped mm. in five Great seconds. Yeah. So it's, it, the context is to do with, yes, the person, how adapted they are and the race. So again, high, having a high FTP is wonderful, but if you're racing 180K um, you know, stage or or race. What's more important, your FTP or how you can metabolize fuel? Either way, over that yeah, over that stage. That's a, it's exactly what we wanted to find out, and and certainly, if you had two athletes, both highly trained with similar FTPs, the person who is able to produce the best fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, program yep. will will beat the other person no matter how well trained the other person is it's like the analogy of you know a ferrari racing car and a toyota corona yep. if you don't put petrol in either of them yep doesn't matter how expensive no. the car <laughs> is or how well trained you are as a rider yes you still won't the car won't go yes and neither will you yes so that is so true that people have to really understand that we can get you as fit as possible yep. but if you're not fueled right you're going to be like average Joe mm-hmm. by the end of the, by the end of the ride, and that's something that the listeners mm. really need to understand. Mm. Given that analogy, if you had a Ferrari versus a Corolla, and you put um, the best fuel possible on the planet in the Corolla, it still wouldn't be the Ferrari. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, which, is, which is the what, yeah the point I was trying to make too was you know doesn't matter how well fueled you are, you still got to do that training to yes. improve your FTP yeah. to be the, the op, give yourself the opportunity to be the best rider on the day. Yeah, I, I think they're both important, and I yeah. and you know they they develop at the same time anyway, mm. right? So if you whether you're conscious of your 
fueling strategy or not, if you're doing 180k hard rides, you are developing metabolically. Mm. There's no way you can do it, it whether you like it or not. You will will have to adapt or you won't complete the ride. So I know this much is true. The guys doing long rides are already there Mm. in large part. Mm. Okay? So, but but certainly you can emphasise the fueling part of it and and you can accelerate that in the same way you can accelerate your your actual power performance through through structured training mm-hmm. you can accelerate your metabolic performance through structured training and, that's the way I see and it. look that's what that's the question that we're coming from for our angle and that's why we've got you here is because we want to know um, when you're down the track and you have established mm. good metabolic uh, fuel relationship, you can train at the, at the normal ranges. But the interim period, that first period that, we, mm. that we're transferring from the crap method we've been using to now this is the right way to go, they're the mm. times where, is it two weeks? Is it four weeks? How long is it going to be? And should you, should you manipulate it a little bit more so that you... Yep. So you can get to do the sessions that are going to keep your physicalness uh, improving, yes, and not to the detriment of your yes. program. Yes, so so exactly right. We don't know how long it's going to be in any one person, and it, it depends on what they've done in the past. Yep. So you adapted very quickly because yep. of your background. Yep. Most people, myself included, much slower, harder path, and I can only tolerate so much failure before I go, you know what, I'm going to have a gel mm. before mm. this race because yep. I just, I, I yep. don't want to get dropped mm. or yep. whatever. So I think the the perfect place to test it is on the ergo because it's a controlled environment. You can see what power you can push. Mm. You know what it feels like? It, what it feels like um, when you are metabolically challenged at the start of adapting is it feels like Jerry's turned the watts up on the target by 20 watts. Mm. That's what it feels like. It mm. just feels like, oh, this is hard. Mm. Mm. And even though those numbers look familiar and in the past, you mm. like, I've done these numbers before and it was not this hard. That's mm. what it feels like. Mm. So again, you, you, there you, is some sacrifice. There's a, there's yep. Yep. undoubtedly a sacrifice. I argue it's worth it, but at the same time, being a frail athlete. Like mm. everyone, mm. I want to perform. I can tolerate a few weeks, maybe a couple of months, maybe a couple of races yep. where you feel great and then you feel like you're going to win and then you're out the back with yep. 10Ks to go. And look, the confidence side of the, of the athlete is the thing that we're both sort of, mm. all three of us are here, conscious of that. And that's the thing that you've, you try to avoid is to, you know, why can't I hit those numbers? Mm-hmm that I could hit so easily three weeks ago. I must be going backwards. Yep. And that's the thing that people really have to understand, that there will be a period of one step back before we can go two steps forwards. But but it's easy because I've done the same thing. Geez, I'm riding crap today. Um, oh, maybe I'm not that good as I was a few weeks ago. Well, no, it's just the mm-hmm. process. Yep. And mentally, would you agree with mentally, you've just got to be aware? Is yes. the point I'm trying to make is... As long as you understand what's happening, then yes. you've got a much better uh, way of coping. Yep, and it's I guess it's your job as the coach, my job as a coach in, in yep. some cases, that you've just got to go, this is normal. 
and we expect it mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yeah. And I still, and believe it or not, I still want you to do this session and I still mm-hmm. want you to race this race. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that's when the real gains are made. So in my last um, foray into keto, and I've got different, I've got a different approach this time, but in my last go, I'd, I'd literally just started um, yep. being coached by Jared, and I was like, oh, um, by the way, uh, <laughs> you might see my performance just go down a little bit. He's going, oh, yeah, whatever, and then just push me anyway. <laughs> and I had a few races where where I was in a break or something like that, and then just it suddenly got really hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we were, you know, we were awake, couldn't see, couldn't see the chasing group at all. And then suddenly I couldn't pull a turn mm-hmm. and then suddenly I couldn't hang on. And then I went, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm keto. Yeah. And, and then two weeks later. Mm. Riding away. Riding away. Mm. So mm. It's, that, that's the other thing is the, I think the rebound, mm. if you add a little bit of petrol once you've been through this period of adaptation mm. is so powerful. So I would actually, I think there's something we need to think about in, in lead up to, a, to, a, to an A race is what can we do to cause that slingshot This is effect. such a great idea because believe it or not, in 1987 when I was in Kona and just, you know, got through a phys, phys ed degree in exercise mm. physiology and we learned about glycogen supercompensation mm. and that was something that a couple of marathon runners had tried and yep. and here I am going to do it to myself yep. um, untried in the biggest race of, of in the world for yep. triathlon which you wouldn't recommend anyone never <laughs> and I never I always say this don't try something in a race you haven't done in, mm. in, in training and anyway um, the psychological problem with what is it first of all you starve yourself of um, all the carbohydrates you can two weeks out, so roughly mm. two weeks out, 14 days, something like that, mm. sometimes longer, mm. and you continue to train. And all of a sudden, your performances in your training mm. start to go mm. in a hole. And you start second-guessing everything. Oh, no, <laughs> oh, no, what have I done to myself? And you forget that you're starved of the carbs. Yes. And so you're just having basically protein and, and fats. And in those days, it wasn't about fats. No. Fats were an absolute no-no. Yes. So it was just protein. Mm, mm. And um, get to the, the week of the race and then all of a sudden, what was it, four or five days out? You yep. could yep. And, and what you were talking about a minute ago was to slingshot mm. double the glycogen stores mm. that you would ever have thought imaginable. Yep. Um, and... On race day, you just felt like a Superman. Yep. You you just you know because of your fueling. Yep. Uh, and your training was always there. Yeah. So I think the um, I think that came into that was recognised after one of the marathoners I think mm. got Thanks, gastro. Oh, so someone got gastro, couldn't eat, mm. couldn't eat for you know he was two weeks out, got gastro before the Olympics or something like that. Yep. Gastro couldn't eat. Perform, you know, started to train, performance off the cliff, and then bang, mm. just amazing. Yep. So, yep. yeah, no, it's, it's uh, fascinating, yep. fascinating stuff. Yeah. Shall we go to lunch and dinner? Yeah, pretty quickly, lunch and dinner. Um, yeah, as I said, sim- keep it simple. So, salad mm-hmm. with stuff on it. Right? Mm. So, gr- green salad, and I put on mine um, chopped up camembert or brie, macadamias. Uh, avocado, cherry tomatoes, cucumber, and 
dried shallot, you know, anything that you like mm-hmm. and just douse it with olive oil because the olive oil, it's giving you the fat. And would you be happy to put in some cooked ham, some yep, chicken? Yep, ham, chicken. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Oh, I, um, or salami, yep. some meat. Yep. Yep, and then dinner, uh, yeah, steak and veggies, chicken and veggies, um, salad. Uh, Stay away from rice, potato. Yep, but you can get fa- you know you can get that stuff that substitutes that, so you can get the volume out of um, things that are um, the the um, substance is called cognac or konjac. It's a vegetable, very popular in Japanese cooking, uh, and it you just boil it and then strain it and it's kind of like noodles it's kind of mm. like vermicelli noodles mm. so you could we do we do spaghetti bolognese kids will have real mm. spaghetti and we'll have spaghetti with this stuff yeah. and it's just you know it's filling and mm. you get everything you're supposed yeah. to get yep. so yeah fish it's it's tough for vegans i'll give you that much um i don't know how many vegan athletes you have but i suspect you can't really perform on a mm-hmm. perform at a high high level on a vegan diet i could be wrong mm-hmm. but yeah oh, we, we, we do have one um yeah you haven't seen game changes <laughs> no i haven't seen it deliberately haven't seen it yet yeah, yeah. um i but, do not condone game changes yeah but 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 certainly certainly nuts and um olive oil yep. you can go a long way uh but to I, I would struggle without eggs, butter, and meat, chicken, fish. I would, I would. As you said, it's, it's, you've given us a really good, simple mm. um, uh, kind of plan for for yep. your meals, and so I suppose that's one lever we talked yep. about. So yes. uh, when to do? Yeah, let's stuff. talk about when because that's yeah. this is this is just coming into the into the scientific domain now. Um, so so I guess the the if you think about um, a lot of the, a lot of this is about when you're not eating, okay? Because that, again, that's when that's when a lot of the um, metabolic changes occur is by not eating. It's the same as training, so it's when you're resting that mm. all the adaptations mm. occur. Mm. So the typical fast is overnight, right? So you have dinner, maybe a snack after dinner, and then you don't eat until breakfast. That might be 12, 13 hours. That's a standard overnight fast, and that's okay, better than better than you know midnight snack and then six a.m. before you ride uh, yeah, eating. Because then you're only getting six win- mm-hmm. six hours of, of fasting. I guess what's come into vogue somewhat is in- what's intermittent fasting or time restricted eating, time restricted feeding, and that's where you would only eat in a window during the day, and that might be eight hours. So you might miss breakfast so you might have dinner miss breakfast eat lunch and depending on the time that should be about 16 hours of not eating and eight hours of eating a lot of advocates of that way of eating say it doesn't matter what you eat in eight hours you'll still get a benefit and i think that's probably true because you're probably eating less you are definitely going to eat less Yep. You just can't eat enough in eight hours. Then. You could of course well, you could yeah. you could eat pizzas and nachos and you'd easily compensate but so I think I think no one really does you know time restricted feeding without modifying their diet somewhat. If you were to if you were to time restricted feed and then eat McDonald's, you'd be blowing it really. I think. Mm. And then you can you can go even more extreme, which is to eat one meal a day. I don't 
I don't advocate for that. Um, I don't advocate for that because I think it's hard. Mm. And I don't know what the advantage is over just maybe having time-restricted feeding for, for 14 to 16 hours and eating the right food. Yeah. But what here's my current experiment um, is... So I do, <clears throat> I do like eating and drinking, um, and this this is I know I'm not alone. So what, and and what, and I'm not, I haven't been on a ketogenic diet for the whole time that I've known about ketogenic diets, and what that tells me is that when it gets too hard, I stop doing it. Mm. Right, makes sense. Mm. So what what I've actually what I'm doing this year, my plan is to do five or six six week blocks like a training block right so because that's achievable and i've got a finite window and i've got results i can then start looking at result from start to finish and compare blocks over time and i get a bit of a break where i can be free range in the middle may or may not go free range in the middle but i've got the opportunity to um so that's so that's my plan at the moment is a six-week block on a, on a ketogenic, call it ketogenic plus carbs as required for training and performance. And then within that six-week block, every week I have one day where I don't eat for 16 to 20 hours. So one time-restricted feeding day, and that's going to be a Monday, right? So unless Jerry, like this week, goes, actually, you can train hard on Monday because you didn't do enough on Sunday. <laughs> right? But generally speaking, Monday, easy day, easy day, time-restricted feeding. Don't eat till after lunch. Right? And then once, a, once in the block, I'm going to do a three, one to three-day fast, to, just water only. So again, I will look at my training calendar and make sure that the first day is a hard day, right? So I'll do the hard session straight away yeah. while I'm still fed, basically, yeah, in the yeah, fed tempo, state. Tempo and recovery. Then. Yeah, tempo and recovery. So yeah. tempo, I'll be fasting, and then recovery, I'll be fasting. Mm. So that's so that's my that's what my annual plan looks like. Five or six of those six-week blocks where I'm using time-restricted feeding and absolute fasting. And the goals are not just weight. The goals are there. Are, there are a lot of advantages for health in fasting. Mm -hmm. So, what in in very um, quick time and simple terms, um, what fasting encourages is for us to start digesting, auto digesting some of the shitty cells in our body, and and inhibiting some of the um, old, the, the cells that are becoming old or dying. So it's called autophagy. Them, yeah. Yep, and it basically eliminates. So it's almost like a you know you get a bit of a clean sweep mm. uh, once every now and then, and and most humans will never do it, of course, because mm. they'll eat continually for mm. their whole lives. Mm. Is that your number one <coughs> reason for that one to three day water fast? For longevity. Yeah. Yes. And for that cell replenishment. And Absolutely. Flushing. Yep. So the reason isn't for weight loss. That's a, that no. is an extra byproduct. No, because I think weight loss is reasonably simple to achieve with dietary manipulation as opposed to fasting, which will be, it'll use a slot for those three days. 
like I'll, it'll be hard to not think about it yeah. obviously because be be hungry I just wanted to add as well for, for those athletes considering a ketogenic diet um, you need to supplement salt okay because we don't we don't typically get enough salt when we're not eating carbohydrate they tend to be absorbed together and so I advocate um, for, for some if not all athletes to try stock cubes just a bullion stock cube in water before a session so i certainly do that and i and i perform way better when i do it's remarkable (coughs) there's a couple of really important points in there (coughs) pardon me you're right obviously ketogenic is your preference um the ketogenic style Mm -hmm. but you made a really good point that you are on and off it Um, yep and that's okay you're not off it because you're blowing out yep (coughs) <coughs> you're off it because you don't want to stick to something like that long term. Mm-hmm. Is that just because it's just too hard to avoid all those carbs? And I think um, as humans living in Australia, we um, we like enjoying a variety of foods. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a ketogenic diet restricts that variety mm-hmm. substantially, and and we're prone to suffering boredom. Yeah. And I, I just think, again, if you, you know, some are very good and and really like it and don't miss bread and nachos. I keep harping on nachos because that's like something I really miss when I'm not when I'm when I'm on keto. But you know, I think by by cycling, you stay fresh and and don't get prone to that to that boredom. And we're humans, so we've. The other thing I've really learnt, and I'm learning the hard way and still learning, is, you know, perfection is the enemy of great, mm. right? So, great, great is great. Perfection is virtually impossible to achieve. So, it's it's forgivable to fall off the wagon. That's that's the same in everything. So I, I, I'm an advocate in healthy habits. All right, stuffed it up today, see how you go tomorrow. Yeah. Well, stuffed up again, see how you go tomorrow. It doesn't matter, just as, because you're better off, you're better off just trying to hang in there. If you've got 10 things you know are healthy habits, mm. if you just do one for the day, better than nothing. Same as a training plan. You miss one session, you don't throw out the whole training plan. You just right. try and get back. But people it. do, you know, yeah. people do see the world black and white. And they do aim for perfection, and when they don't hit it, they chuck it all out. It's like a failure. Yeah, yeah. I really like that point. Um, it's, and it, that ties into what you said, which I really liked as well. Was you're ketogenic plus enough carbs to train? Totally. You're not being silly. And so it's it's enough carbs to train and race, as well as I believe there's there's certainly benefit in exogenous ketones as a supplement. Which is what? So you can you can put powdered ketones in a bottle, and and yep, takes about forty minutes to work its way into the circulation. But certainly for hard sessions and racing now, I would put exogenous ketones uh, in a bottle. So what are ketones, and why do we want to make more of them? Well, ketones um, are a are a type of um, compact type of chemical so acetone beta hydroxybutyrate and uh i can't remember the third there's three there's three main 
ketones that are produced mm-hmm. by the liver or, or digested in the diet that can actually substitute as fuel yep. for, the, for the muscle and the brain. Um, Are they counted as fats? Is that what you? Uh, no, they they've got their own got their own category. Yeah, uh, they can be produced. So fat is the substrate. So it subs, substrates what it's made from. Mm-hmm. So the liver can convert fat into ketones, yeah. and then then it will secrete ketones into the circulation. They'll be used by working muscle and the brain, in place of, yeah. in place of glucose. Mm-hmm. Now, the brain still relies very heavily on glucose, so that's why the liver is always making glucose, gluconeogenesis. Mm-hmm. Um, it stops doing that, your toast. So the reason ketones are so important is so that we can function in the starved state. So we've, we have adapted, we've evolved to be able to do this yeah. because our ancestors were not guaranteed three square mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, you can have exogenous ketones, which is ketones that you eat or drink. Um, they used to taste just disgusting, but they've come a long way um, since then. Uh, yeah. Is there any comparison between, yeah, the efficiency directly of ketones of energy and glucose of energy? Mm, there is. I'm not... Um, I'm not right up to speed on the on the metabolic efficiency of ketones, but certainly in terms of things that doctors and scientists care about, which is like free radical production, the ketones are a cleaner burning fuel. They're, they're, they can be burnt directly by the working tissue, um, and the and the pathway to metabolise them does not produce free radicals in the same way that oxidative pathways of glucose produce free radicals. So in terms of health, ketones are a healthy choice. But I suppose it's kind of not relevant to the reason we're doing this in the first place. We're trying to go ketogenic and produce more ketones to help us um, rely less on carbs so that we are healthier, can lose weight, um, and we have both options. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we'll never be... Uh, liberated from carbohydrate it's not necessary Mm. Um, yes that's right absolutely we want as athletes we want to be able to burn anything anytime that's the best way to be because if you're reliant on one you've got all your eggs in that basket Mm. Mm. and that's where frankly most guys you'll see cycling up and down beach road are they they Mm. couldn't go 40 minutes without a gel Mm. right that's cleared up a really big misconception for me. Um, having only heard of the ketogenic diet from an outside perspective, I know a lot of the argument against it is that, well, the perception is that people are saying ketones are superior to carbs, whereas that's irrelevant to the argument. Mm. Um, I don't think they are, yeah. frankly. Um, I, I think for top-end performance, carbohydrate or or liberated carbohydrate from your own glycogen stores is superior. Mm. And I have no personal proof that I can perform above threshold um, on a purely keto diet. I've read books that say you can, but 
I haven't had that experience myself and I don't really have any athletes that are willing to take the chance to, yeah. to, cause that's probably six to nine months of adaptation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But again, as you say, this is not, this is not the case we're making. The case we're making is power to weight first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. mm. We want power to weight. Mm-hmm. So we got to either gain power or lose weight or both. And I think you can do both and it, and it can come to a head at the right time. If we get this right, if you, if you restrict carbohydrate to right up to close to race day, you know, or a few days before and then bang, I think. And I think that window lasts for weeks too. I think it's, there's a glow time there that lasts for weeks to months. That's brilliant. And what you did was, and you spoke about it at the very start of the podcast, your own version, Dad, but um, you certainly were hesitant to go full ketogenic foods all the time. Um, you just knew that that would personally be difficult, and so you really focused on it throughout the week. And then Friday nights, you would relax with your meal and you would have potatoes and meat mm-hmm. and still not an unhealthy meal. You won't go and have it. Probably McDonald's. still in ketosis, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and over the weekend you're more relaxed and you found that approach really effective. That's great to hear Harry say that he's trying a version this year that he didn't do last year that he didn't do. And that to me is almost giving me confidence going, oh, well, I was so worried that if you half do something mm. that you're going to get half the result. And yeah. as a coach, if someone said to me, thanks, Jerry, for your program, I'm going to do 50%. Yeah, of that's it, right. And I'll go, well, no point. Whereas, you know... This is a bit different. It's not mm. black and white. Um, uh, t- totally, yeah. And it's great that you've said that, you know, you're experimenting on yourself. And uh, I used your information mm. and tried to manipulate it as best as I could into my schedule. Mm-hmm. And and that's what worked totally because I did almost like mini glycogen supercompensation yep. every week. Yep. I starved myself during the week as much as I could. Mm. If I was doing a hard Wednesday where it was a hills ride, mm. I would then have some carbs in the ride and the night before. Yep. And then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, none of that. Yep. Do it properly. And then Friday night before the went, the Saturday ride. And I had no significant reduction in my performance in training. Yep. And that was the thing that I had to keep focused on. I didn't have enough time when yep. I first contacted you. From when I started the process to the the goal mm. was the national uh, mm. championships in Adelaide. I think I had sixteen weeks. So the fact that I had an endurance background helped me, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but but certainly I didn't restrict my intensity in training because I couldn't cope with it due to fuel. So yep. that's the key thing that I was trying to avoid, and I succeeded in doing it within a week. Almost. Yeah. Um, and you lost five kilos. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing that we said at the start, to be a better cyclist, improve your threshold or lose weight or do both. And that's what I did. Yep. I improved my threshold and lost five kilo. Yep. And what a different rider I was totally. sixteen weeks later. And the the nutrition plan that you advised me was paramount to that. Mm-hmm. Sure I still had the ability to improve my threshold. The race we did had a 10-minute climb three times, mm. and it was so important that I wasn't 75 kilo and I yes. was 69 uh, totally. to get up that hill. And what a difference that made to riding to the finish line with no one in the picture. Yep, um, yep. <laughs> and, and it was purely to do with, uh, you know, 
preparation in terms mm. of training and fueling and yeah. that they cannot go without each other no. and would you agree with totally agree yeah. that's it that's that's absolute that's what that's what we're all trying to get to mm. actually mm. is uh, find those magic numbers we i think we'll start to wrap it up is there anything else you thought noteworthy to say um on that I think I've said everything I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I well, don't. I look forward to. I think we would love to have you again on in maybe six months or twelve months sure. to see any more experiments you've had or any more results you've seen. Um, one question I had still was: um, Is there any um, danger in being too extreme with it? Um, obviously, the, the, the answer to that I shouldn't be yes. But what other um, dangers in being too extreme for too long or holding it too long, or is there no danger? Well, no, because we can fast for for days and days and days. Um, no, I don't. Uh, I'm not aware of any specific dangers. I think we need to, um, if if on this sort of diet for a long time and not seeing changes, not seeing benefits, I would think it's worth um, seeing a GP, um, having a blood test having things like electrolytes checked. But as a basic rule, I advocate, um, as I said, sodium and magnesium in all athletes um, on on a modified diet like this. Well, that's great to know. Is there anything else from you? Yeah. Um, the, one, the one thing that we've talked about is, uh, and we talked about it a little bit here, is uh, the, the fact that the psychological effect it can have mm. um, just can't be underestimated. That um, if if you start to perform poorly, then you have to understand that it is a, a period, depending on what your background is, um, whether you're an experienced endurance athlete or you're a newbie to it. Um, as you said earlier, it can take longer, and that is something that people really have to have clear in their mind. Um, I will have a period where I may not be functioning the way I want to. So with every um, hardship that you take, the reward is so much better. Mm. But you have to go through that period uh, Mm. before uh, the body kind of gets what you're doing to it um, and and then goes along for the ride, so to speak. Um, And... I've had so many conversations with people who are telling me they're, oh, God, I'm shit now. I'm, mm. I don't want to ride my bike anymore. Um, you know, there's something not right. Mm. Well, there's, there's, there is something not right because you've changed your whole mm. um, eating regime mm. um, and you've tried to maintain your normal living. Yes. Um, and you just got to be prepared to adapt, that's all. Your body's adapting, but your brain has to adapt as well. Okay, I completely agree, and I can speak with first-hand experience Mm. that's that's exactly Mm. what happens you just suddenly can't perform as well but the benefit is at the other end Mm. and it and it may be a week or two and it may be a few months but the the gains are over and above what you would get in a standard training program if you can train as well as it's a force multiplier i think and it's a force multiplier on race day as well so not just on the ergo i think mm. when it really matters yep. then then you'll have the legs awesome awesome well um that was incredibly valuable thank you very much for your time welcome um yeah that was just a 
gold mine of information. I hope that everyone listening um, got as much out of that as we did. Um, and if you have any questions, definitely let us know. If you have any questions for Dr. Harry Weisinger, you can let us know and we'll pass it on to him and um, maybe he can answer them in a different forum or come back on to another podcast. But um, yep. I think that's some really good information for um, people to have and just a whole nother um, tool in their arsenal, I guess, to try and tackle some weight loss and some improvement in performance. Great. Thanks, Harry. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Pleasure. And, uh, look forward to seeing some results for you. Yeah, in both me too. Fueling <laughs> and performance. <laughs> me too. Thank Perfect. you. Thanks for that. That's it. Cheers.